Thursday, 7 o'clock. You know where you're supposed to be right here with me, Michael Bumpus, and my guy, Paul Moyer, on Hawks Live. The Seahawks got it done last week, 30-23. to They beat the Niners for the second time this year. No matter how good the Niners are, the Hawks are going to play some of their best football against these guys. And the stat that sticks out to me the most, Moyer, time of possession. The first time this year, the Hawks won that. 33 minutes they had the ball. The Niners had the ball for 26 minutes. That means third downs are supposed to be good, right? Not really, 5 for 15, but it's okay. We'll take it. That means that the defense got off the field and gave the offense the ball. It means that the Hawks capitalized on opportunities. It just means it's a win. That's all I care about. We can spit all these stats out there, but end of the day, it was a win, and it was led by the guy who gets paid the most money on this team, Russell Wilson, 30 for 37, 231 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Another thing that happened this week that we wanted to see Moyer, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf got their targets. They both had eight targets. Lockett had seven receptions for 68 and a touchdown. DK had five for 60, no touchdowns. But it seemed like the things that we needed to see offensively, defensively, and special team-wise, we saw this weekend. You know, it was just fun. Let's just acknowledge that. Uh, that was a really loud crowd. It felt like a college atmosphere rival game. You know, a Washington State, Washington, Washington, Oregon game. Those teams do not like each other. It was intense. There were some, so many big plays. I mean, that first quarter, the amount of uh, Ray Roberts hates us, momentum switches um, with turnovers back to back and big plays. It was just, it was an exciting football game. At one point, you know, I'm, I'm doing the broadcast with Rabel because was, Dave was a little under the weather and, and uh, he sorely missed. Hard to replace Dave there. But we, we were in there talking, and Steve said something to me. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I, I mean, it was, it was so bad to football offensively and, and it, even defensively at, at times. But then there was something that happened in the middle of the second quarter. And I don't know if you saw it or not, but uh, Russell grabbed the whole offense. Got them all together on the sideline. Shane yeah. Waldron was in the huddle too, and they, he was—I mean, he was fired up. And I'm sure it was positive, but I mean, everybody got into it and bought into it. Man, there was something about after that meeting that all of a sudden the offense just got physical. The defense got physical. It was—it was completely different. And I thought for a long time we've missed just being a physical football team, running the football downhill. Doesn't always have to go for 10, 15 yards. And that was the other thing. You know, we, we talked about it. they're going to make plays, San Francisco. Be patient. Stay with it. Because the way they shoot the gaps and they're in sprinter stance with their off defensive linemen. Um, so I, I thought it was it was just fun. I thought that was a key moment in the game because I thought we completely flipped it around after that. And then the other one I thought was really big for we'll stay on the Russell Wilson one. Russell threw the ball short. Yep. I, I'm looking right now. I think there's 21. I'm going to redo it here during a break. Um, there's about 21, 22 of his 37 passes were five yards or less. And there were times where I know he wanted to keep looking downfield, but I said, no, the guy's open now at five. Hit him. It's okay to come up third down and four. We can't come up third down and 10 or 12. We know those statistics. That is what to me was so – it goes back to the very first game of the year. When Shane Waldron, I mean, against Indianapolis. And it, look at his completion percentage. Matter of fact, his adjusted completion percentage this game was 86%. And adjusted means that the drop passes. And, you know, he would add another touchdown, obviously, yeah. or two. 
uh, in poor, you know, uh, Gerald Everett. Yeah, it was, that was, thank God they won. He, he may not have shown up for practice the next day. Um, so there were so many fun things in that. And I, a special, special, special shout out, special teams. Special. Let's go. Man, they were good. Yeah. And to me, that's really why we won the game. Yeah. Uh, that, that was phenomenal. You, you, um, you retweeted someone breaking down that special teams play. And that, that is a perfect example of everyone being on the same page without even have to really talk about it. Like, look, we're coached up. We know if we see two gunners on, on, on our guys on the outside, double team, this is what we're going to do. I think another thing that stuck out to me last week, these guys were only 5 for 15 on third down. But three of those third downs were converted by guys you brought here to make plays. Third and two, Adrian Peterson picks up a first down. Gracious spot, Lumenfield type spot, but we'll take the first down. Third and 14, you're backed up. DK makes a play. Boom. Third and six, then you go to title lock, and he scores a touchdown. Boom. So, yeah, five for 13 on third downs, but those three third downs all led to scores. And that's a perfect example of, look, if you want to be successful on offense, you have to convert on third downs. And we saw that. Were they great on third downs? No. Still got a lot of work to do. But I'm mentioning names that, one, you bring AP here, to convert on third downs and maybe score touchdown in the, in the red zone, which he did. You got DK here, one of the most explosive receivers in the league. He gets a big third down, and then Tyler Lockett, all he does is, is converse big plays. So, yeah, the numbers aren't great, but I still love the fact that um, three out of those five third down pickups were huge and led to scores. Well, and one of them we converted on a fourth down. And you, you know it's hard to convert on third down when you get towards the goal line, you know, especially when it's a third and two type of play because – there's just not that much real estate to spread them out on. Um, and then I think there were some drops. You know, I mean, you know, we had some opportunities to convert on third down. So it wasn't as bad. And here's the other thing. Let's not get the third down. And that was something that was better this game. We moved the chains. We had some drives along the way. We, 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 and we ate up some clock. Uh, I, I, that's what we expect from the Seahawks. And there's no reason to think we can't continue to do it we, we I, I believe we have the personnel and I it, it to me it's always been on the players and last week they executed what about this defense we saw Bobby Wagner take his run steps drop into a zone pick off a crossing route we also saw Bo- saw Bobby and Jordan Brooks influence that second interception yeah. um, from Diggs Diggs at the right place because he's where he's supposed to be held the 49ers to three and ten three for ten on third downs and they only rushed the ball for 71 yards. Prior to this, in three games, they rushed the ball for over 500 yards. What did you see out of this defense, man? Well, p- partly it was just a commitment, and we, we play them twice a year. So it's, their, their run game's not a surprise to us, at least from a schematic standpoint. It's just do we match up well with them? And it, it is tough. I mean, I, I was mentioning it earlier today on, on Wyman's show uh, around 3 o'clock that – you know, in today's game, because I, I, I'm on the linebackers a lot, you know, because they're, they're so critical in, in today's game. You know, there's so much passing going on. You've got to be a great pass defender as well. But I have to give them grace at times because when you look at the type of play actions that they run and then you throw in RPOs, yeah. holy Toledo. It's, it is hard. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the day, no, read the guard. Guard pulls, it, it's probably going to be a run, right? I, now they got uncut, guards pulling and RPOs. It, to your point, oh, okay. it's tough, man. Yeah, and we used to read uncovered linemen. So the center in a 4-3 defense is usually uncovered. Well, once they, he would block back, I mean, we were adamant. I would tell my free safety, when he blocks back, 
you're downhill. Yeah, it's run. In the 12 years I played and coached, I probably saw twice where it wasn't a run. (laughs) You play those statistics today. It is. You've got to be more patient. It's why you don't see. Sometimes you got to guess in the running game and and still shoot the gap. And I I think we we read and react a little bit more in in our linebackers, and that's okay. That's more of our philosophy. Um, But it is. It's very hard. And it's not just that. It's also the routes behind it. And it's also how accurate the quarterbacks are. Oh, and by the way, we have wide receivers that look like tight ends when I was playing. (laughs) You know, so it's yeah, it's it's tough. The game didn't change. So what you're saying is give these linebackers a little bit of love. They got to run. They got to read the run then drop back into a zone. And every now and then it winds up being perfect, just like what we saw out of Bobby Wagner last week. But a lot of the times, man, I can imagine being in the, being in the box and seeing all the chaos that's going on with that offensive line, with the play fake, the back leaking out. You know, if you have a magician in the backfield, that quarterback like Peyton Manning was back in the day, how difficult that is to kind of really decipher mm-hmm. what's going on. So that pick that you guys saw from Bobby Wagner, give it just a little bit more love than you did. I'm sure you gave it love, but give it a little more love. All right, when we return, we'll take a deeper look in at the Texans. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9 p.m. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy Paul Moyer. Now it's time to dive in into the Houston Texans, the Houston Texans. Interesting team we got here, Moyer. I look at them on paper. They are the 32nd-ranked offense. We are the 31st-ranked offense. They give up um, – they're scoring 13 points per game. That is last in the NFL. Rush defense, they're allowing 144 points per uh, yards per game. That's last in the NFL. I look at them on paper. I look at them on film, and I say, this is a team that you probably should beat. Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor, they have both played their share of snaps this year. Davis Mills is completing 65% of his passes, 1,400 yards, has seven touchdowns, eight interceptions. Tyrod Taylor played last year before, excuse me, last week before he was hurt. He is completing 60% of his passes, 966 yards, five touchdowns, five interceptions. I look at the quarterback position and I see uncertainty. I saw Tyrod Taylor, who's had some years, and this guy might be the most unluckiest quarterback in NFL, right? He lost. His job in Buffalo to Peterman, we don't know why. He lost a job in Cleveland to Baker Mayfield after he was hurt. We understand that. Baker's going to be the number one guy. And then a doctor punctured his lung while he was with the Chargers, and Justin Herbert got the start. Eventually that was going to happen, but this dude has had a lot of opportunities and just some bad luck. Look Look at the way he played last week. Wasn't the greatest. Davis Mills comes in, does all right. But um, this team is highlighted by Brandon Cooks. He's their leading receiver, 742 yards. Um, Mark Ingram was their leading rusher until he was sent over to the Saints. Now they're going to rely on guys like David Johnson, who once upon a time for the Arizona Cardinals was a really good running back, and Rex Burkhead. There's just so much uncertainty on this team that I am more confident than I usually am when it comes to the Hawks playing ball games. But this is the NFL. You know how this goes. You still got to show up and play good ball. Their defense is okay. I mean, that's probably one positive for them. Offensively, they scored 37 points in the opener against Jacksonville. Let me throw that. Let me throw that. This kind of reminds me of 1992 when I was coaching and we had the most inept offense in the history of the NFL. Because since then, they they scored 21. Then they went 9-0, 22-3, 5, 22-9, 22-14-0. 
So they've had one game, their opener, they've scored 30. They have not scored over 22 points since. And they got a couple. Well, they got one, two, three, four, five. They got six single digits along the way. They're really struggling offensively. Uh, you know, I it it you you mentioned some names there. I mean, Brandon Cooks is is still legit. I mean, David Johnson used to be one of the really good running backs, but time is is caught up to him. I I agree with you on Taylor. I he's probably one of the best quarterbacks that just has for whatever reason doesn't get the next shot again. It is really weird because he's got a phenomenal arm. I hope he doesn't play because if he doesn't play, I like our chances a lot better. But this is one of those games that you don't overlook anybody. Man, I mean, it, if we had a loss last week, I would have said, okay, you know, anything can happen. But we won. I'm, 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 I'm putting big money. We're going to win two in a row. When, if the Hawks were to fall to the Houston Texans, mm. I think that that would be a sad we haven't felt before. Now, we've been disappointed this year because they're not living up to expectations, right? We felt like this team was going to be a playoff team, a contender. We're not seeing that. But there are only a couple games a year where you're like, okay, they should probably get this done. You mentioned defensively where they're good at, 14 interceptions. The Hawks only have seven. So if you're irresponsible throwing the football, they will take it away from you. Um, again, I just look at the the uncertainty on this football team. On defense, you look at Grugier Hill. He leads the team with 88 tackles, three sacks, 10 tackles for loss, two passes defended, one interception. But other than that, there's there's no one on this defense to where I say – Okay, you got to look after that guy, right? You got to you got to find ways to confuse that young man over there. I don't see that right now. No, uh their starting center is a very familiar person that we all know, and he was a really good center for us for a long time and but that just shows where they are. They got Justin Britt uh, as their center. And if he's healthy, you know, I, I I don't know how well he played. I watched part of their game the other night. Um it was talk about no one Karen in Houston. It, it looked, I don't even know, it looked like a, a Mariner game when, you know, when they'd won 60 games one year. I mean, there was nobody in the stands. So they're, they're, in, a, they're in a world that hurt there. And, you know, I don't care. I, I don't feel sorry for them. We got our own issues. You know, we're four and eight. I want to get to five and eight. I want to make this thing interesting at the end of the year. I want, I want to play for something the last game against Arizona and make it a meaningful game. And nine and eight, yeah, you know, it doesn't look good. It look, you know, Minnesota's destroying Pittsburgh right now. We we need them to lose and some other teams. But let's let's win this one and let's every week let's just see if all of a sudden we go from five percent playoff odds like the Mariners. We we followed that thing forever. They were down to one and jumped up to like thirty percent. Let's keep climbing that the odds that we got a shot to make the playoffs. Is this the game where it all comes together? I mean because the Hawks beat the Niners last week, which is a good win. They're riding a three-game win streak. That defense has been playing well. That offense rushed for 500 yards in the last three weeks, held them to 71. And it's almost like we expect to win that game. Russell Wilson now is, what, 16-4 and four against the 49ers over the years. I mean, he just dominates them. You talk about um, um, <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, how he dominates the Chicago Bears. I, I think that if Russell had some, um, some you-know-what in him, he'd probably drop a – I own them line as well. That's not how Russell works, but I will. You'll do it for uh, him. Look, there's no team I dislike more in this league than the 49ers. None, and that goes back certainly to the Harbaugh days when that that whole thing kicked in our first Super Bowl in 2013. I don't like them. Now I like John Lynch and they're co. I mean, I, they're not, but that rivalry's real, and so yeah, we we own them, and I'll let them know, and I let their fans know too because they're obnoxious <laughs> fans also. 
I have no problem with it. But we, I thought we played the best team or one of the best teams in the NFL last Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were hot. They, they, were, they had um, uh, an identity that they're going to run the football. And we decided, no, you're not going to run the football. And, Jimmy, you've got to beat us. You know that's not the case. And a poor Gerald Everett. <clears throat> Again, I felt so bad for him. Yeah. You know, if he doesn't have one of those just fluky three – I didn't even know it was three. I thought it was two. I didn't remember the uh, little bubble screen where he came back and they, and they stripped it there. Um, you know, we we walk, you know, pretty handily on that game and, and make it feel like, all right, guys, you know, we're, we're back. And I still feel like we're back. We played so well from the middle of the second quarter on. We had one first down in the first, uh, first quarter. I think we finished with 27 after that. So, uh, you know, complete, complete change. And that's, again, that's what we were looking at this year, you know, what the offense would look like in that type of passing game where it's it's quick it's quick. I'm going to take it I'm going to take it I'm going to take it I'm not going to put ourselves in a tough situation nope I want to take a shot downfield yeah. that that's us now the Colts rushed for 258 yards last week against this ball club we got Adrian Peterson who tied the great Jim Brown as far as rushing touchdowns for the career um Alex Collins we assume is going to be healthy we saw Russ be efficient throwing the ball 30 for 37, 200-plus yards, two touchdowns. Good football teams take what the defense is giving them. I look at this defense and I say, okay, now their numbers are probably bottom of the barrel when it comes to a lot of things, but what they do well is interceptions. They intercept the football. Jonathan Taylor ran all over them last week. We don't have a Jonathan Taylor, but should we emphasize the run this week? No question. Now look, Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny sighting. <laughs> and he looked good. He looked good. He, he was not, quick. Well, I, first of all, it started to me with that pickup on the blitz where, I mean, that was huge. And we made a big play, obviously, off of that. And then, you know, the little tiny screen. And that's where, you know, when you look at him in college, you know, if you can get him out in open space, you know, he had that kind of speed and size where, you know, you get really hard to arm tackle. Uh, and then, you know, he popped, a, you know, a run as well. So it was just nice to see him get some production and hopefully confidence. And, and yeah. All right, Bum. So real quick before we get out of here, uh, John McClain, who's a writer for the Houston Chronicle, um, he has some words to say about the Texans. And <laughs> let me just play the audio so you can hear it yourself. Well, if you ha- as bad as people may think it is with the Seahawks this season, it's uh, even worse with the Texans, who I believe are the worst team in the league. And they'll prove that again. One more, one more. Because they are Awful. That man's been around the block forever. He's covered <laughs> the Texans and Houston area sports for the Chronicle for about 40 years. He was on earlier on the huddle with uh, Jake and Stacy, And that's how they feel in Texas right now, that the Texans are awful. Obviously, they're an NFL team, so the Seahawks aren't taking them lightly, Bump. But the numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Film don't lie neither, Moyer. I looked no, at that they film. They're not very good. But I'm so scared to even put that out into the universe because I know how this game is. It's a dirty game. Any given Sunday is a legit phrase to where these guys beat a team that the Hawks lost to. They beat the Tennessee Titans 22-13. to 13. Yeah, but I'm looking at the last game, you know, and, and partly I, I think partly why he, you know, it is weird, though, when you have a southern draw. It's just, you don't, they don't really <laughs> seem that mad, you know. It's like we're mad at them, but we're not that mad. Um, yeah, no, they're not very good. Uh, we're not going to rush for 200 and some yards. I mean, Andy's offensive line is really good. He's yeah. a great running back. But I think, you know, you get Damian Lewis, you know, probably back. I mean, 
last week we had Kieran, you had Forsyth, both they're both in there. I mean, that was some youth in there. And by the way, I, I, one of our colleagues uh, that doesn't live in the state anymore kind of dogged Jake. It's Kieran, right? Um, Kerhan. Kerhan, thank you. And he had a couple uh, tough. There, I think there was two pass rushes that you know he, he he didn't do a great job on. But I'll tell you what, in the run game. He locks on. He moves people. He when he gets in front of people, I, I thought he wasn't all that bad. Again, I don't want to you know make him a Pro Bowler, but I thought they did a pretty good job for being thrown in there. And really, go watch them. Other than like one or two plays, thought they did did a nice job for us. Youngsters did okay. The Hawks are going to see how they can do without Jamal Adams. We'll talk about that injury when we get back. How do the Seahawks replace him? We'll also let you know that look. That trade for Adams was not as bad as you think. Hindsight is always 20-20. We'll break it down next here on Hawks Live. Welcome to Hawks Live. Thanks for joining myself, Michael Bumpus, and Paul Moyer. We're going to focus on Jamal Adams for this segment. Jamal, believe it or not, folks, has had a good year. All right? He's got 87 tackles. He's got two interceptions. The Hawks have been using him differently than they used last year. Last year, he had nine and a half sacks for blitzing him like crazy. He looks like a different type of ball player. He got hurt this week. He's out for the season. He tore his labrum, I believe, on the same side he had surgery on last week. Um, lots of questions when it comes to Jamal Adams. Here's what Pete Carroll had to say. There's all of the fire that he brings and, and the explosive plays and big hits. He's had a couple picks. You know, he's been uh, he, he's been doing everything except we haven't got him, you know, the sacks that we had a year ago. But other than that, he's, you know, he's been playing really hard and tough and, and uh, he's got a lot of energy for us and been very positive. Pete was also asked about the trade because everyone's worried about the number, the first-round picks that the Seahawks gave up and the contract exception. Here's Coach Carroll talking about how the trade played out. You know, all the hype's about sacks. Well, when's the last time somebody hyped up the safety sack numbers and made a big deal about it? Well, it's because he had such a phenomenal year last year. You know, we weren't able to, to, to capitalize this year as much as we'd like. We, we came out trying, but he, he's meant a tremendous amount. He's, a, he's physical, he's tough, he's got great energy. Practices like crazy. Uh, it's really important to him. Um, in that, in the, the the leadership that comes from a guy who plays that hard and throws his body around like he does, is it's it's hard to measure that. So that's Pete Carroll showing some love to Jamal Adams, and people can get fooled by these numbers. Last year was a great season, no denying that. One of the best seasons when it comes to a DB as far as getting after the quarterback. Almost impossible to duplicate that. And I didn't think he was going to duplicate it. I wanted to see him be more active in the pass game, and I think. We got that. But because he's not – because people are going to look at the numbers that he had last year and look at his numbers this year, they're going to tear him apart. And, yeah, everyone can be better at, at certain things, right? But Jamal was having a good year. The th third leading tackler, five passes defended, two interceptions. I mean, he was active just differently than what we're used to seeing. Yeah, let – Trying to you don't, you don't have to agree with me. You don't no, have no, no, no. I, I, was, I was just thinking about this week listening to things. And, you know, remember why we got him. You know, one is, you know, we're on the cusp of a Super Bowl. We don't really have any youth uh, or, or a safety at the time. So he's a 25-year-old guy who's never been hurt. And more importantly, I, th I think they thought we were losing the physicalness of us on defense. And you – Pete's all about being nasty, right? Nasty in the running game, nasty on defense. You know, you had the Cam, Cham, or Cam Chancellor, and we saw that. 
And now you're a team that's always drafting in the second round. You give up two first-round picks. We went through COVID, so they didn't even know the players. They didn't know who was coming out, who was going to stay for next year. Some guys decided not to play. I mean, there's so much going on at that time. So it's time everybody was happy with the trade. Now the guy gets nine and a half sacks. We win the NFC West last year. Yeah. And we're not happy about that. Now we come into this year. <clears throat> Let's say we were top 10 defense right now. So let me, let me play this one out a little bit. I'm going to say we're top 10 defense. Jamal Adam is third on our team in, in tackles. He's going to have well over 100. He's only behind Jordan Brooks and, and, and Bobby Wagner. <clears throat> Excuse me. He's, um, he, uh, I'm going to go here a little bit more. He's got uh, four tackles for loss. He has uh, two quarterback hits. He's got two interceptions. So he's second on the team in interceptions. He's got five passes defense. So I think he's tied for third or fourth on the team. You know, my point is he has played well this year. I think people are looking at our 31st ranking, and we're four and eight, and they're going, well, what did we get for two first-round draft picks? You know, it, I think that's part of it, and, and maybe more than anything along the way. And I forgot my second point, so I'll have to forget it. That's all right. But my point on really more than anything is, Oh, I know what it was. I was I was driving uh, to work this week, and I heard on a, one of the stations accidentally, and the guy was saying that we were better off without Jamal Adams than we would have Ryan Neal. And we all like Ryan Neal. The guy's a playmaker. He's a great you know player for us. But there's a reason for Jamal Adams, and it's his nastiness along the way. But his point was, well, look how many yards George Kittle got last week, and he blamed it on Jamal Adams. Jamal didn't cover him on any of those. You know, the long one run down the, the sideline, it was actually, I believe, a bootleg. And I, I think Ryan Neal was actually on the backside and Bobby Wagner. And we had an angle on him, and he still got there. Uh, there was another play that was a play-action uh, play that uh, I think Ryan w- looked in the backfield. And so and I'm jumping on Ryan here. My point is Jamal had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so there's just, you know, people just pointing and whatever they're unhappy about life. But I, here's where I'm going to close this one. My uh, 1986, I hate throwing these years out, but I because it makes me look so darn old. <laughs> Kenny Easley gets hurt. Mm-hmm. He misses six games that year. I start all six games. We go undefeated. Now all of a sudden people say, oh, yeah, we don't need Kenny Easley. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm one of 11 guys. We just happened to win. The defense played better. Guys all of a sudden picked up their, their game. Offensively, we started playing better. We went on a roll. We just, we just won. Kenny Easley is a Hall of Famer. He was the, probably one of the top two safeties still at that time, and he, he had been, been injured, him and Ronnie Lott. So it just doesn't make sense. It's always easy. Who's the most, who's the most favorite guy on a team usually when a team's losing? It's the backup quarterback. Backup QB. Yep. And so it's the same thing here. You know, I, I like Jamal Adams, and more than anything, it's just he brings a, an attitude, a confidence, a nastiness. And I, you know, for those who don't watch the film, I get it because you're looking at statistics. Those who do watch the film, he's played very well this year. Here's the thing. The 12s, if Adrian Peterson were to come out and rush for 105 yards and a touchdown, the 12s will be saying right now, or not 12s, I'm not going to just signal out the 12s. People will be saying right now, you don't need Chris Carson. The NFL is such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type league when it comes to the organizations, but especially when it comes to the fans. Right. So there's a reason why and we love Ryan. Neal. We've had him on this show. He's been awesome. Like he, he gets in the game. He makes big plays. Yep. But there's a reason why out of college, Ryan was not drafted and Jamal Adams was drafted just because of what they what their resume looks like. So I think at times people need to look at the resume and remember 
There was one time where I had buddies hitting me up. Are we better with Gino than Russell Wilson? I'm like, are you crazy right now? Better Gino had what five touchdowns, one interception, seven hundred yards, played well. Played well. But no disrespect to Gino, like Russell's resume just has a lot more bullet points than Geno Smith. So I just advise people to look, look, be in the moment, enjoy the moment, root for Ryan Neal. And he's going to make plays because we've seen Ryan Neal make plays. But do not disregard what Jamal Adams brings to this football team. He might not be the safety that you want to see out there as far as his attributes and what he's good at, but he's still a dang good safety. Yeah, I think that point you made right there is because I don't want to take away people. Look, if you want to think he's not, that's fine. You know, but bring bring some facts with it and actually tell me what he what it is you don't like. There's very few perfect players, and people are looking at what his strengths aren't, not mm-hmm. what they are. And that's what Pete does. Pete looks at what he brings to the table and the amount of plays he makes in the running game. And I've I've said this for I go, he changes. He's one of the only he's actually the only safety I know that when he walks up towards the line of scrimmage or he's anywhere within five yards, they are pointing at him yep. and they change protection because of him. Yep. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so it changes the game too. So there's a lot going on there. Lots going on there. Lots going on in the NFL. And we will talk to the professor John Clayton when we get back about all that. That's next right here on Hawks Live. You know what time it is, 745 Hawks Live on Thursday. Here to fun, we're bringing in the professor. JC, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? We are doing okay, man. Like I usually do, I got to ask you about this Thursday night game. You got the two teams that lost and tied to the Detroit Lions going at it. Minnesota Mm -hmm. up 29 to seven. That doesn't help the Hawks, does it? No, it doesn't because, again, I could put the uh, Vikings back up at 500, and that doesn't help because, I mean, the Vikings are starting to slip. They looked pretty bad. They've lost so many close games, and now they get this looks like a pretty easy win tonight, even though the Steelers are trying to come back. But uh, it looks to me like uh, you know that, that does not help any chances of the, C- the, St- the Seahawks making the playoffs if, again, you have the Vikings up at 500. Let's just get to five and eight, and then we'll 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 see if our odds keep increasing. When and so for us to get to five and eight, do the Texans do anything good? No. Um, I mean, I think that they they probably serve good food. <laughs> they uh, do. <laughs> they they probably serve good food. I think that uh, you know, but on the football field, no. I mean, they they are a little bit okay on defense, even though they've chased away a lot of. Bill O'Brien, big signing players, but uh, offensively they're not good. Their their offensive line is not good. Uh, they're going to go with a rookie in Miles Davis because again, uh, Tyrod Taylor is now hurt. So it's like uh, I don't. And the running back situation is not good. Receivers not good. They're just not good. John Quandre Diggs has put together a nice little career. Man, he's been in um, Pro Bowl selection. It's about time that he is considered as far as all-pro selection. Well, I mean, he, he was uh, Pro Bowl last year. Uh, you, you can see right now in the all-pro voting so far by the fans, you know, he's in the top six, so he's in the mix there. Uh, you know, to maybe to be an all-pro, all probably not, but he's got to be somewhere. I mean, he's, in the, he's a Pro Bowl level type of guy and should make the Pro Bowl this year. Jordan Brooks has just been playing 
really consistent. He's taken his game to another level, really the last four or five weeks. And, you know, he's fourth in the league in tackles. Is he getting any recognition nationally? Probably not, which is kind of unfortunate because, again, sometimes a 4-3 outside linebacker doesn't get the respect he should get because, you know, the three, four guys are the ones that get the sacks. But, again, you can look at the tackles. You can look at the things that he's been able to do. And for a team that right now continues to get criticized for not doing well with first-round picks, he's been a very good first-round pick. John, this offense has struggled throughout the year. Every now and then they'll show glimpses of what they could be. After Lagsweiss' performance, if these guys can get get healthy, I'm talking about the Seahawks, can we see a better version of this Shane Waldron offense? Well, I think so. You saw it last week. Certainly going to see it this week against Houston because Houston is so terrible. We'll see how they do it in the two division games against the Rams and Cardinals. But, again, they've got the the three games that it should be pretty easy, that their offense should be able to do well. But the big thing is, I mean, you have uh, Russell Wilson last week looking like Russell Wilson. Completed 30 30 of 37 passes, you know, 231 yards. I mean, he he got into a rhythm. He did a good job. You know, when you look at the the Seahawks, you know, the first quarter was was it was rough to watch, and then middle of the second quarter, it, it completely flipped, and and did it really with some youth. I mean, you started with some D. Eskridge, and then you got Stone Forsythe came in, and then Jake Curhan as well. And I actually, I thought Jake played pretty well. He had two two or three plays where they, he got beat on a, a speed rush, you know, at, in the guard position. But he practices at tackle the whole time, but. As far as the running game, and when he did have someone in front of him, he he did really well. But with that being said, do we do we expect Damian Lewis back this week? Looks like it. You know, Pete Carroll says that he should be able to go. I mean, he's been able to do some practicing this week on a limited basis, and so I mean, because he's he, you know he's missed some time with that shoulder injury. But everything that Pete says, it looks like he should be able to go this week. John, my fellow cool Gardner Minshew had a day last weekend, 20-25, 242, two touchdowns. Do you think this guy will have another opportunity in the NFL to be a starting quarterback? Uh, you'd hope so. I mean, again, right now he's proving he's a very good backup. I mean, he did that in Jacksonville. He's done that certainly in Philadelphia. Um, you know, I don't know if he can get the chance to advance. But, again, I mean, this guy's a good quarterback. And – uh you can see he's a good leader. He's a fun guy to watch. He's able to do so many good things. So you'd hope he get a chance. You know, so we were talking a little bit about Russell Wilson. You know, his first game of the year against Indianapolis, everybody was so excited because, you know, he was getting rid of the ball so quick and he was taking the short stuff, even maybe if there were some opportunities, you know, intermediate to long. And it felt like that last week also. Did you think, you know, and again, it wasn't the yards. I mean, he had 30, 30 for 37, only around 230 yards, but, you know, 86% adjusting completion percentage. Do you think that's his best game of the year? I think so, yeah. Yeah, because, again, I think that you can see the big thing is, you know, for a, a team that was only scoring like about, what, 28 points or something like that over four weeks, he was able to get 30. But then when you think about the 30 points that he had, now I know seven came on, a special teams play, but then, you know, he had three plays in the red zone where, uh, you know, uh, George Everett, you know, just blew it. I mean, George Everett had, you know, two fumbles. He had that tip pass that was intercepted. I mean, so really in a lot of ways he scored, you know, 23 points, 
out of the 30, but he probably could have had 40. John, we saw Adrian Peterson contribute to this football team this week. We assume Alex Collins will be ready to go. What does his role look like this week against the Texans, and should we expect him to be used in the red zone? Uh, I would have to think so. I guess what I looked at with uh, Adrian Peterson is very similar to uh, a couple years ago when they brought in Robert Turbin and they brought in, uh, you know, Mercedes, you know, they were able to get the Marshawn Lynch and Marshawn came in and did a good job in the red zone. And I think that uh, you can see that Adrian's a big back. I mean, if you put him the way he is right now at the age of 36, he's going to struggle to get more than two, three yards of carry. But again, if you put him in such situations, he can do some good things. But he had 11 carries for 16 yards, at the, which, of course, he had a couple of nice runs out of those in the 11 carries. But I think that you know, he can help. And to think that he was able to do that, stay healthy, and then be able to do it with only two or three days practice, that's pretty good. John, I may not have another chance at this, so this is my favorite time, my best part of the show. What's on your mind, Professor? Well, what's on my mind is uh, maybe the most positive things we've seen in the last month or so. Have you watched the number of taunting penalties that have happened in the last, like, two or three weeks? Because, again, it was at a ridiculous level, as, as many as eight per game, eight per week. But in the last couple of weeks, now I know there's one tonight, but there's only been about five. And so maybe they're lightening up on the taunting penalties, which is long overdue. And, of course, I mean, the league – and, uh, you know, Walter Anderson, the head of supervisor of officials, said that they weren't going to let up on it. But for whatever reason, whether it's the teams not getting the, ta- the taunting penalties, whether it's the officials not calling the taunting penalties, I think that's a very encouraging thing because, again, the taunting rule is one of the worst I've seen added in the last, like, three or four years. John, that's the worst rule I've heard since the touchback on the kickoff, man. Let him return yeah. the thing, man. I pre- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate it, John. You have a good night, man. All right. Sounds good, guys. All right. When we return, it's time to talk that talk. We'll pick a couple topics and go at it. Will Rashad Penny rush for 100 yards? Will Russell Wilson throw for 300 versus the Houston, Texas? And who's the unsung hero of the Seahawks? All that is next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. You hear the bell. It's time to talk that talk. Moyer and I will pick several topics and give you our thoughts about it. And you know, we want you guys to text in and let us know what you think. 206-421-3776. We've got some interesting texts so far. Paul Moyer. Now it's time I'm to pre- talk. I'm pretending to be you texting. They're saying, <laughs> well, what about the wide receiver? I said, no one cares about the wide receiver. They're divas. <laughs> They're divas. Yes. They make the big plays on more. No, they don't, just don't think. You, don't they you hate think. on us? Are the biggest plays made this year for the Seahawks have been by who? Aren't we doing talk and talk? <laughs> <laughs> You're throwing me off here. I'm just, I'm just question. Oh, Qu- Quandre Diggs. And the wide receiver. Diggs. Moyer. Okay. Safety. Anyway, okay. Right. Talk that talk. Here's my question here for you, Paul Moyer. Will we see a 100-yard performance from Rashad Penny before the season is over? If uh, if you had to ask me if if Collins wasn't coming back this week, I might have said yes, particularly against Houston, you know, who just gave up over 200 yards to Indianapolis. But you know, we're I just don't know if he's had quite enough opportunities. Um, if it happens, it needs to happen this week because after that we've got you know some time. We got the Rams, good defense. Um, 
Chicago, good defense. Arizona, good defense. Possibly Detroit, but Detroit I don't think is uh, terrible against the run defense either. So I'm going to say no because I just don't think he's going to get quite enough opportunities, but I really did like what I saw uh, last week. Right. You see it in him. You're like, okay, because if he gets over 100 yards, it has to be within five to eight carries because I think that's all he's going to get. I think he needs to like to break one for 50, another one for 10 to 12, and then some smaller runs after that. I think that's the only way it's going to happen. I just don't think it's going to happen because of Alex Collins, because Adrian Peterson, because of DJ Dallas. I think he has his niche right now, and his niche is going to be let's get him the ball in a space, let's give him the rock on third and long when people don't expect us to really run the football and see if he can break one for a big one. So let me let me rephrase that question because I think actually NASA, who put this one together, did write it. He said, will we see a 100-yard performance? So overall. Overall. Overall, I think we can see that. Okay. That, he, that changes my thinking. He had 62 last week, I believe, when uh, it comes to rushing and passing. passing. It was around 60-something. Yeah. Overall, overall yardage. And I think he's going to get more touches. I, Adrian Peterson, from what I heard, wasn't out of practice much this week. And they don't have to, because he's on the practice squad again, they don't have to actually show any injury updates uh, on that, so we don't know about that. Um, but they want to see what Rashad can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously Alex has been very good for us. I think uh, I think he's going to get some 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 touches this week. So now I'm going to change it. All right. I, I'm going to say he's going to get it. If we're talking overall, yeah. yeah. He almost got it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Against, a, against a really good defense. Yeah, overall, we'll see it. Okay, well, let's, let's stay to the offense. This will be a big offensive performance if it happens. <laughs> uh, Russell Wilson will throw for 300 yards on Sunday. Russell Wilson. Three. By the way, he's only done that one time this year, and that was against Tennessee early yeah. in the season. Tennessee, he's got 254. He's got 298 against Minnesota, 209 versus Pittsburgh, 247 and 231 his last two performances. I'm going to go out and say, yeah, he's trending. I think he's moving in the right direction. Now, I know the Houston – I almost called them the Rockets, the Houston Texans. Texans is tough for me. What they do well is they take the football out the air. They got 14 interceptions. That's seventh in the NFL. Um, so if there's something they do good, it's, it, it comes to the pass game. But I think that this is the week. I think Lockett got his eight targets. DK got his eight targets. You sprinkle in the screen game. They're they're definitely definitely trying to get the screen game going. As many screens as they ran last week. They weren't really successful. One to Rashad Penny, I think, was a 25-yard pick. It was the most successful one. You saw what they did with Gerald Everett. We're seeing more when it comes to the pass game. This is the week, 300. And, by the way, I don't have a problem them not working all the time. I, I like – again, we're to me, we're running more quick screens than actual delay screens yeah. where, you know, you're, you're – if they are playing zone, you want to get the linebackers and safeties deep, and then we just drop it over the defensive line and – you know, you got a, a a posse, you know, leading the way. I'd like to see a little bit more more of those also. But um, I, I'm going to say no. Uh, and the reason why is I'm really hoping we do what we did last week. He averaged six and a half, seven yards per attempt. 30 for 37. 232 yards. Yeah. Um, you know, he normally he, he averages nine, ten yards per attempt. He would have had over 300 yards by a long shot last week. And there were times last week where I went, yes, he threw it to Tyler Lockett. It was second down, you know, whatever the number, let's just say 10. Threw it to him for six yards. He could have waited. He could have waited to see if another guy was opening up behind him. 
But he didn't. He said, I'm going to give it to him and see if he does something. It came up third down and four. We make we converted. And I go, that's what you do. You just, you know, keep putting yourselves in good position. But I think we're going to be able to run the football. I just don't think he's going to enough opportunities again. I'm going to say the more likely that we run the ball a lot and have big numbers and throwing it. All right. All right. Here we go. Who is the unsung hero of the Seahawks this season? Ooh, I didn't get a chance to think long enough on this one, but I'm going to throw one out there. Nick Beloit. Ah, you took. Did I? Yeah, I was going to say Nick, but I'll, I'll switch it up. Go ahead. Well, but partly is last week. It's so fresh in my mind. And, you know, he, he had the block. And, and I don't know if you watched the block for Adrian Peterson on that touchdown yep. run. And then he is, is – and Nick said it. Nick, God, he was so funny. He goes, he didn't even know who I was. I, I, <laughs> I had to introduce myself. <laughs> and then, like, you know, Adrian's going to chest, you know, bump bump him. And he was like, who, who are you? Um, it was really funny. But what a block. And he took the guy and ran him all the way into the end zone. It was, it was incredible. And then on top of that, you know, he also made a block on the fake punt. That went for the touchdown, and he did that all the way from the other side. And then he also caused a fumble. Um, the guy can do anything, and he's playing at such a high level for a guy who's been in the league for 11 years. He was probably our best linebacker in preseason. Um, you know, and he could play fullback, which they did down by the goal line. He's been a phenomenal spe- special teamer. I've been saying phenomenal a lot tonight. It's my new word. <laughs> um, but he really has been, and uh, I, I hope he makes, you know, all-pro special teamer because I think he's such a special player. All right, unsung hero. Man, I was going to go with Nick Ballore. I think that's a good pick. I think he does a lot. You can stay with it. No, I I, I like to switch it up. Man, okay. you, got, you got Nick Ballore. I'm just going to go with Michael Dixon. I think that the way that he puts the ball inside the 10-yard line, he switches field position. This defense has allowed teams to go for long drives, Moyer, 14, 15, 16. A lot of the reason for that is because – Michael's pinning them back and making them go for that. In the last couple of weeks, they have forced long drives, and this defense has been able to come off on top and give this offense either seal the game or give the offense an opportunity to win the game. So I'm going to go with the punter. Big ups to Dave Wyman, baby. I hope you listen. I know you love talking uh, about punters, Dave Wyman. It was even hard for me to listen to that one. <laughs> I'm going with Michael Dick. I, I kind of wish you had have gone first. That would have that would have helped me out along the way. All right, we got we got time for one more. Where's where's producer Mike, Mike there? Yep. All right, yeah, how about yeah, this plenty one? Plenty time, plenty time. All right, good. Okay, the Seahawks will win the rest of their games and finish nine and eight. You know what? I'm glad you asked me this question first because I feel like I know where you're gonna go. Do you? I'm gonna go. They're not gonna win the rest of these games. You're gonna beat the Texans. Okay. Then you got to go to L.A. where the Rams have. They know you. They got you. Then you go to the Bears. You're gonna, or excuse me, Bears come to you. You're gonna win that game. Then you play the Lions. Who knows if you win that game? Just because the Lions are playing better football than what people give them credit. And then to cap it off, you have to finish with the Arizona Cardinals, the best football team in the NFL right now. The Arizona Cardinals. Well, you only need you only need them to lose one. Don't see it happen. So you, you're saying they don't even get past the Rams. No, what was the question? You said they win the Dennis, rest of their games. Right. And so yeah. just you said basically no. we're losing to the Rams, so you, we could have stopped right there. Could have stopped point. there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you wanted to really <laughs> emphasize it. No, I just I just wanted to to really lay it out for the folks who don't have the schedule sitting out in front of them. All right. So let me let me help people out here. Oh, no way. That's offensive interference. And by the way, you know you're a 12, a legit 12 when – 
the team you need to lose, Minnesota Vikings, who's playing uh, Pittsburgh right now, who were up 29 at one, to 7 at one point, and then it was 29 to uh, uh, 14, and NASA walks in. He goes, we got a chance. <laughs> There's 11 minutes to go, and then all of a sudden it's 29 to 20. They missed a two-point conversion, and then to me that's offensive interference because he pushes off right there uh. and gets it. Come on, man. Come on. That is offensive interference. You pushed me. Did you not see? And extend, we lost the Super the Bowl DB in 2005. his arm, though? I don't care. That's <laughs> talking about the offensive interference. All right, so here's the thing. The Seahawks are going to get to 8-8 eight and eight because we're going to beat Houston. Mm-hmm. The Rams are struggling. And, look, they, we, we owe them a chip on our shoulder. We're going we're to win that. Chicago, Detroit, you know, you already mentioned that. Now it comes down to Arizona, and it, it really comes down to at Arizona. Is that a meaningful game for Arizona? They're what nine and two. They're uh, ten and two. Ten and two. Uh, you know, do they can they wrap up the number one seed? If they wrap up the number one seed. We go nine and eight. If they got to play for the number one seed, and we're not, we don't have a shot for the playoffs. That would that that would be my one. Uh oh. So I'm going to say we're going nine and eight though. We're going to win them. Too many contingencies in your answers. I'm, but for me you know what? I'm, but many. the listeners are—they're following me, and they go, "Oh yeah, I get it. I, I get what you're going there. You just said the Rams at the Rams. Yeah. They know us. Well, we know them." <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> when we return, we'll go inside the film room. Travis Homer, 73-yard touchdown on a fake punt. Quandre Diggs intercepts Jimmy G. Then Russell Wilson finds Tyler Lockett for a 12-yard touchdown. That's next, right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday. I'm Michael Bombers with Paul Moyer. Thursday night football is going down. The Minnesota Vikings are up 36-20 to the Pittsburgh Steelers. But now it's time for us to go into the film room. We love watching film. We love breaking it down. We send texts to each other throughout the weeks talking about the plays that we've seen. And the first play we're going to break down was the play that got the scoring going for the Seattle Seahawks. The Hawks come out. They go 3-0. and But you know what? Fake punt alert. Travis Homer goes 73 yards for a touchdown on a fake punt. Brandon Ayuk and a fake. The fake is coming near side 40. Midfield, it's Travis Homer. 40. He's going to go 30. He's running 20, 15, 10, 5. Flips into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks. 73 yards. Pull out all the stops on the first drive of the game. Score any way you can. And the Seahawks just did on a fake punt. Travis Homer, the up back, takes the snap, goes around the left side, and takes it 73. Had a blocker in front, cuts back inside, and he was gone. He's gone. There, there's so many good things in this. The first is just how much fun they're having. They're, they're running down the field with their arms in the air. But look, this is such a gutsy play. Um, and I, I love Nick Ballour talked about it after the game. For, you know, it's the fourth play of the game. I yeah. mean, we're we're three and out. Um, we're on our own twenty-seven yard line. I, I'm wondering if we do this if we're seven and three. You know, against San Francisco because when you're looking at the the formation, it doesn't look like they're outflanked. Uh, the 49ers. I mean, they got three guys to the to our left. We've got three blockers there, basically. He's wide enough. It looks like that he's going to be able to contain it on on uh, DJ Dallas. 
But there are so many good things in this. So let's just talk about this play. First of all, Nick Ballore talked about it. He said, what happened? He said, well, Travis Homer called it. And he called it, and we decided we're going to go for it. You know, we practiced it. We, we knew what it was. It's his call. But I'm going, was Pete going, no, no. <laughs> There's 14 minutes left in the first quarter. Um, we're backed up. But, backed you know, up. so first of all, Tyler Ott, who's there, our, our long snapper, this is such a good snap. I mean, it's, it's not like he's just one player removed from the center. He's almost two players removed. So uh, how would I describe it? I mean, he almost threw it to him sideways underhand, you know, under his legs. Really good. DJ Dallas, fun, again, I'm going to use phenomenal. Phenomenal job of getting wide and to hook the, the end on the line of scrimmage. Um, Actually, all of them, you know. And then I'm going to throw Nick Ballure on this one. Nick is on the far right side, and he cuts through and ends up getting the key block on Ayuk at the at the end. If he doesn't hustle on this play, maybe he makes the tackle. It's still going to be a first down. We get the ball around the, you know, 30-yard line or so. Everybody just hustling, doing their job. And that's why this is execution. If they If we don't execute this and they stop us, they call us the dumbest coaches <laughs> they, that we got to get new special team coach, yep. a new head coach. And now all of a sudden we're geniuses. You know why? Because the players executed it perfectly. That was so much fun. And I said I would never do what Dave does during a broadcast. I go, oh, oh. <laughs> and I did it in the beginning of this one. And it was the fourth play of the game. What I love about this play, it's, it's a numbers game, right? You got Travis Homer, who's on the left side of the center. The center has his guard, his tackle, and then the wing. All right, and then to the left side, the Niners have three football players. So if you just look at the box, it's three on four. So technically, Travis Homer is free. The key to this, the double team on the gunners on the outside. Yeah. Because typically, there's another guy. They're one-on-one. They got another guy spying to make sure nothing, nothing goes down. They got two guys on the gunners on the outside. So I think that – that's probably what made this play because you're going to get this look in traditional punt formation. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to balance you out. You'll be good to go. Travis Homer sees the double team to the gunner and says, all right, here's my chance right here. So uh, what tells me he's, he's good at simple math. Count your guys up. Boom, 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 boom. Double team over there. This is the look. Let's go. But you're right. A lot has to go right. The snap has to go right. Travis Homer has to sell it. If you look at Travis Homer, he's standing straight up. He's not like giving any kind of indication that he's going to get the football right there. Center snaps it perfectly, turns his shoulder on the three tech that's over there, walls him off, allows Ballore to get upfield, and he's playing football, man. Yeah, because when I look at this, you're right, it's three on three, but I got enough. You know, I got to have someone, you know, get off a blocker or, or, or shed the block. You know, you've got seven yards, you got to go for a first down. I don't need to make the play on the line of scrimmage. You know, I just got to give some ground on this. The key is we've got to hook this guy. On, but we got to hook these first two guys yeah. for sure. Yeah. And uh, Radigan as well as DJ Dallas. And, again, I'm going to show youth has been served, you guys. We got, you know, Homer on this play. You've got uh, Cody Barton. I mean, there's just a lot of young guys who made huge plays in this game. Yep, big play. Another big play, Quandre Diggs intercepts Jimmy G in the third quarter. Garoppolo going to throw, stops, looks, throws to the middle. Ball is intercepted. Coming back to the near side, it's Diggs. At the 40, the 35 to 30, runs out of bounds. Jimmy Garoppolo throwing deep and overthrows everybody except Mr. Diggs with the interception. And Quandre now on the season. That is his fourth pick. 
shooting for five, which is what he had last year, a 26-yard return, and again, the Seahawks have the ball in great field position. Well, I want to thank Jimmy G for this one. <laughs> you know, uh, first, this is really well played. I'm going to start it from the very get-go um, by Jordan Brooks. He, he's got two wide receivers to his left that are kind of in a stacked or, or a tight bunch uh, uh, position, and he gets depth, and he actually kind of rubs uh, one of the, the wide receivers just enough to throw him off balance, thank goodness, and then the guy who's working his way on a deep in route uh, Bobby Wagner gets now. How 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 far back is Bobby on this? He's ten, twelve. Again, this is where we always talking. About. Yeah, we're, th- this is why linebackers. You get depth. It's easy to come back downhill. And if you read the quarterback, you know, and make an easy three, four yard, five yard play on a pass. In this case, because of that, we got you know both of them jumped. Uh, got a. I don't know if we tipped it or not, but it made Jimmy have to throw the ball high. And and Quandre does what he does, and that's uh, plays the ball and makes a really good interception. You know, it's it, again. It, thank goodness we got Jimmy G. It's also a pretty good rush, which allows, which forces Jimmy to throw the ball quicker than he wants. Because if he had a held it, they got a wide receiver on a very deep backside mm-hmm. flag route. You know, working all the way on the really deep in route on the other side. Um, so there's so much that goes into interceptions, right? Good drops by our linebackers to make sure that he has to throw the ball high. You got a free safety. He reads the quarterback and the ball. Um, you've got uh, backside the corner who's who's all over Ayuk, so he doesn't have anywhere to go there. We got a good pass rush that doesn't allow for this second deep uh, in to develop. So uh, it's just a good play, and then we're just getting better in these type of plays. What I like most about this is Quandre Diggs. That deep cross in, whatever you want to call it, the one that's on top of the end that uh, that Jimmy throws right there. That could have influenced him. He could have just jumped all over it and ran, and now he's not there for that interception. But he's in such good position prior to the throw that he's able to look at Jimmy G's eyes and be patient, right, because he got his depth. He's staying on top. He sees that that number two receiver going across the field, and he knows this is what Jimmy likes to do. His last interception against Jimmy was something similar. An in-breaking route, he stays on top, middle of the field, boom, I pick you off because, one, my D-line's getting pressure, and my linebackers are getting depth, forcing you to throw that ball high. What he's, I, I tell my quarterbacks all the time, if you miss, you miss low. You never miss high. You miss low. You know what I just noticed on this play? Jordan Brooks would have intercepted it. He gets pass interference against him or against the uh, wide receiver. Wide receiver pushes him down. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't push him down, he plays this so well. I, did, I mean, I knew he played it well initially. I thought Bobby was the one who really made the, uh, him have to throw it high, but Bobby just reads the quarterback and jumps. But the reason why he throws it high is because he's looking at where Jordan is is covering him, and Jordan actually runs the route for him. I mean, this is really well played, and again, obviously for Diggs to to finish it off. And you know, that's what we need. We just we needed turnovers to help the offense. You know, better field position, and we're starting to get them. We scored off of this one. Didn't score off of Bobby Wagner's interception, but we'll that take was the it. crazy first quarter where yeah. it's like you you turn it over, we'll turn it over, you turn it over, yeah, a fake punt, all that stuff. Hot potato, that's what we call it. Yeah. All right, when we return, we'll go around the NFL. The Patriots won a game throwing just three times. Buffalo reporter and Bills player getting to it. Can the Ravens overcome all their injuries? Into the row for Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll talk about that next here on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. If you are a true twelve. Like our producer, Nasa Chobi, you are locked into this Thursday night game. 
Minnesota's up 36 to 28. We need Minnesota to lose this ball game. The Steelers are driving right now. Man, what a catch. P.I. Claypool makes a great play. They called that P.I.? It was P.I. and a catch. Mm. All take, right. take your pick. But it was 29 to 7. Yeah, you never know. And NASA, look, when you're around the Seahawks organization, you live in a positive world. <laughs> and he came in, he goes, it's not over. It's 29-14. I'm like, dude, it's uh, and it's 29-20. Dude, it's 35. It's not over. Not over yet. Watch and by the way, game. when – Pittsburgh wins this game. My, yeah. my nine and eight starting to look better. Starting to look good. Yeah. Look at Mo better. Mo better. Well, if you weren't watching football on Monday, you missed some historic stuff. All right. The Pages won the game just passing the ball three times. They rushed it 46 times. 46 times. Are we back in like 1945? Here, Moyer. You know, San Francisco ran at 44 and 42 and yeah, 39. But they threw it 19 it. times, though. Yeah. <laughs> they threw the three ball three times. times, man. I played in a game in New England um, my last year, second to the last year, and it was uh, 30 degrees, and it was blowing 40, 50 miles an hour. I mean, you couldn't really throw the ball. And it was one of those. I mean, I bet each team threw it about 10 times. It was just a, a run fest. This one was even bigger gales, and they had rain coming as well. Yeah. But three times? Three times. I, I'd never seen that. I remember one of their receptions. It was uh, Judon Smith, I believe, the tight end, uh, made a ridiculous play. Mac Jones, elbow low, tossed it up. He, he looked like um, Snohomish youth football <laughs> <laughs> over there. All right, but after the game, there was an interesting exchange from Bill's reporter and Bill's safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Sorry. Over 40 years since the team has won a game running. Is that too bad for the game? He's passing that three times. Is that embarrassing? I mean, what kind of question is that? Boy, what are we doing, bro? What kind of question is that? The nation's going to be criticizing you. All right. I think we gave up seven points. Yeah, 14 to 10. Is that the final score? We made stops when we had to. They had one big run. I mean, they got good backs. They, yeah, all right. Um, they kept coming back to a couple of runs. I mean, I don't know how you want us to answer that question. That's funny. Well, I'll, we'll remember that. I'll, I'll remember that. I come here every single week and I answer your questions truthfully, honestly. I appreciate you guys. Don't do that. Don't do that. In my day, players answer that kind of question. Here's In my day. Here's, here's my issue. It's a valid question. It should be, though, like, what does the defense need to do to make sure that doesn't happen? It's not like – I felt like he just came from, are you embarrassed? I'm like, were you out there? Did you see the, the conditions? Like, they weren't going to throw the football. They were going to run the football. Mac Jones doesn't have the strongest arm. That's why Josh Allen was able to throw the ball 17, 20 times, I believe he threw it, because he just has a strong arm. So it's the conditions, it's Mac Jones, and it's just – how you ask the question, like, are you embarrassed? It's like almost challenging your manhood. Once yeah. you start getting personal, start challenging someone's manhood, I'm not mad at their response. Well, and then when the guy said, don't do that, in my day, and I go, well, in your day, they were professional reporters, and they knew how to ask a question. Mm -hmm. I never had anybody say, are you embarrassed because you got beat by that guy? These guys are professional athletes. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. You can actually win games just running the football. Stopping the run is for a – Defensive coaches, we spend a lot of time because the coordination behind it takes so much time. You can't be in the wrong gap. Yeah, you know, there's so many. You know, again, not to you know, 
Bellevue High School won a state championship, and I think threw it one time yeah. in the playoffs. You know, I'm exaggerating. Maybe they threw no, it no, five. No. They literally threw it one time. Yeah, and so if you can't, you know, we're trying to win the football game. We're not trying to have statistics. And I thought the players actually handled it pretty good. I Really, I would have been – I wouldn't even – I would have just walked away from him. So you know, you know what I like? Idiot. He goes, we'll remember that. Oh, yeah. Next time you need a quote, you need a story, yeah. you, you got to lean on us for your for your column you're going to write. No, we remember that. Next question. Moving on to the next guy. There's so many ways. You, it, it, I would have loved to, for them to say, hey, why don't you go back and learn learn how to actually professionally ask a question? Because what do you want out of this? Mm-hmm. You want to know if I'm embarrassed because we lost or because they only threw it three times and we're playing in 50-mile-an-hour Winds and it's cold and it's raining, you know. I yeah, just yeah. Don't get me started. So now they also played against the goat when it comes to coaches, Bill Belichick, right? And there was a question from a reporter, pretty much asking McDermott if you got out schemed. Let's not give more credit than we need to give credit to Bill Belichick in this one. It was um, whether it's Bill or anybody else, they beat us, right? You sit here and you tell me when they start with the average starting when we start with the average starting field position at the 40-yard line and he starts with the 23-yard line, and I'm rounding up in both cases, and we were one for four in the red zone and they were 0 for one in the red zone. You give me that ahead of time, I'm saying I like my chances. I like my chances. So it's not. I don't think, with all due respect, it's not a Bill Belichick type thing. It's what are you doing with the opportunities you got? What are you doing with the opportunities you got? We turn the ball over at the plus 30-some yard line. Sloppy football. Sloppy football, so I'm very comfortable in that situation. I like it. I, I actually do like it. And you know what he was saying there? What? He was saying is it wasn't coaching. It's players. We were in the red zone four times. We we didn't get it done. We we held them. They were only in the red zone once. This is about players. You know what I do like about Bill Belichick? And here's where he they're right on the coaching. Bill does not play for statistics. Not at all. Bill plays to find a way, what's the best way for us to win? If it's to run it 50 times one game or throw it 50 times or to blitz every down or to play zone every single snap, we're going to do that. We're going to find the best matchups. He is a great coach at that. I, I totally agree. But I don't think they schemed them. There were some you know turnovers. They got the lead. Now you're trying to find a way to, to just get back in the game. Um, but, I you know, I get it. You also get – you're tired of hearing – you know, Bill Belichick's this genius. Well, you know what? He's won that division 17 times. You know how many times he won it without uh, Tom Brady? None. Okay. Until so, this year. He's going to well, win Well, we'll year. see. It ain't over. It but, ain't. It, you know, if he wins the Super Bowl, because I really do believe the greatest coach in NFL history is Joe Gibbs. And people, a lot of people say, who's Joe Gibbs? I go, well, he's the only quarter or coach to win a Super Bowl with three different quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. none of them are in the Hall of Fame. Not a one. Every other coach? They have their Tom Brady. They have their Troy Aikman. They have their super stud quarterback that that carries it for them. You win two Super Bowls with two different quarterbacks. Oh, people are screaming. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, uh, not not to cut Moyer off, but the Steelers had a chance to at least have an opportunity to tie the ball game, final play of the game. They go into the end zone, bang, bang, play. Receiver does not come up with the football. But now I'm with you, Moyer. See what they do this year. Belichick's a heck of a coach. I mean, yeah. you can't take that away. Um, but for him to be kind of like Tom Brady, where Tom Brady separated himself from the debate, he, it's, there's no longer debate who the GOAT is, right? Yeah, not at all. When you win, when you walked away from that coach, mm-hmm. 
if Bill wins one without Tom, he separates. And he probably already has, but he separates. Here's the only so. thing about Bill. He needs to manufacture the pieces around him. It's harder as the coach to do it. As a player, when you leave, you go to a spot and you start inviting cats to come play with you, yeah. it looks a little bit different. But, hey, we shall see. You know what? I hope Bill gets one just to make that conversation even that much more difficult. As long as he gets one when we're not in the playoffs. Yep, I'm with that. All right, when we return, we will give you the show recap. Final thoughts, keys to victory, all that good stuff here on Hawks Live. Putting a bow on this thing, Paul Moya. Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN. Thank you for joining us. We're trying to do something as a Seahawks organization that they haven't done all year. You know what that is? Win two in a row. Win two in a row. And this is the week to do it, Paul Moyer. They got Davis Mills over there at quarterback. Tyrod Taylor, who's not playing great. Their leading rusher is now with the Saints. Brandon Cook's good receiver over 700 yards. Nothing to write home about. You got um, a defense that struggles against the pass, struggles against the run. I mean, Goodness gracious. Let's go. I I was on Wyman and Bob's show today, and they said, do you know any players on Houston? And I said, yeah, I know a few. But then I I didn't really know the backup. I mean, I'd heard a little bit about it, but I didn't remember where he went to school. You know, so Davis Mills, rookie out of Stanford. (laughs) Outside of Brandon Cooks, name me a wide receiver. You can't, man. Don't got it. Nico Collins. Don't got it. Davian Davis. Uh, I mean, I am looking at the – this board here, I know. I know David Johnson again. He he been around for a long time. I know. I know uh, Britt. I know Justin Britt. I know Jacob Martin. Jacob. I mean Justin Britt. You know, I can't. Jacob Martin. By the way, that's a good story. Yeah. I think he lead. Does he lead them in sacks? No, he's four? second or third. He has four. four second. And, second. Uh, which is a pretty good story because they they brought him in originally. They were on a three four defense. Now they're I think they're on a four three. So it doesn't fit perfect for him. Mm-hmm. It was really good when he was a three four, and he was a guy that we liked. I mean, we gave him up. I think we traded him for uh, Clowney. Javion Clowney. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm happy for him. You know, he was a kid that you you definitely were you were rooting for. They got Grugier, Grugier Hill, at the uh, linebacker spot. Eighty eight tackles, three sacks. Ten tackles for loss, two passes defended, one interception. You can't even sell that, bro. You can't no. say his name. No. Come on, man. It's Grugier. What you mean? It's Grugier. Sure. It's Grugier. I'm sure that's right. It's Grugier. I'm, I'm positive. I, I YouTubed it. I, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm looking at their whole defense. No. Nope. All, right, all right, so what you're saying is this is a game that Hawks fans can circle as a win. If, if the Hawks Normally, do not win this game in the old days, in the old back in back in the old days when you used to answer questions without, I think so. Did you feel like after last week we, we've won games before? But you know we got to go to Indianapolis. We didn't know anything was broke then. Uh, then you know we beat Jacksonville. We got Geno there. We blow them out. But you know it was Jacksonville. They hadn't won a game. Maybe they had won one game at that point. This one does feel different to me. And mainly because the way we played physically, both sides of the ball, the last two and a half quarters. I, I, and I felt like we had fun. And I, know, I get it's easy to have fun when you win. But just the way we were celebrating, the energy that was in the stadium, I really hope it carries over. And, you know, that somehow we, we find this magical run. And, and, again, I just want the last game of the year to be meaningful, whatever that means. And now they got to go on the road. Early start means nothing anymore no. to this organization. Back in my day, we were pretty bad. Um, and this is this reminds me of a game 
that you schedule pre-conference, non-conference games, right? You're like, look, we schedule this game because we feel like we have a really good chance to win it. Our guys need it. <laughs> I think this game is coming at the right at the right time. Like the special teams made plays. You know what we're missing? Myers needs to be better. He's missed five field goals this year. He missed none last year. He needs to be better. I think you get Myers. Like you should be able to get inside the 30, 35, and have guaranteed three points. I remember those days. So we've seen the special team step it up last week. They scored a touchdown. Nick Bloor has been going crazy. The offense does this thing. The defense holds the 49ers to 71 rushing yards. These guys were killing it prior to that. What's missing? Myers. Let's go, Myers. That, that's it? That's it. Well, I'm just I'm, I'm looking at his statistics here and how he's been successful. Ed, I won't, um, he, look, he's missed one from 30 to 39. He's missed two from 40 to 49. He's missed two 50-plus. And last week he had no shot. The wind was in his face. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, he leaked it a little bit to the right. I don't know if he had quite enough leg on that one. I don't know if that's that's it. I think special teams has really come on strong. Um, you know, again, last week they were ridiculous what they did. Here's another thing. You know what Pete's always done in the past? He's always got the young guys playing time. And we haven't as much the last two years. But last week, a lot of young guys but by, by injury. Uh, and, that again, I've always believed you, you throw them in there with the starters. They don't have to play them a bunch. You know, a few plays just so they get used to the speed of the game and and aren't intimidated when they're really their role time comes into play. And that could be next year when maybe some other guys leave and we're expecting them to play. Yeah. You never want to put someone in who's got no experience. And so, again, I, there was five, six guys last week. And, again, for me, Penny. Penny, you know, it, that may not be done yet. I mean, that's the first time where I said, okay, there's some life there. Eskridge, we finally got to see. He made two big catches on that drive right before the half. Yep. He had the one on the uh, on the side that we didn't have any timeouts, and so the one on the side they made a guy miss, got out of bounds, and then the one uh, that he scored the touchdown. If he gets tackled there, we're going to have to kill it, uh, and that's going to be close. He makes that guy miss for a touchdown, so it shows his shake and and what he can do when you know when he gets the ball in his hand. Let's let's uh let's bank on a big return this week. Okay, I think that's another thing we're missing. Yes, Myers needs to make his oh, field yeah, goals. There you go. But I think another a big return would be nice as well. The biggest return we've had all all year was a touchdown, but it was on an onside kick from Travis Homer. <laughs> Homer, he's got two. <laughs> he's got two special team touchdowns. Man, two. I forgot about that one. Who who was that against? That was uh. That was the was that against Nass. That was talking about the Jaguars game. No. When uh, Travis. Oh, they did. Oh, it was Jaguars. They they scored. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shame on you for scoring and taking away the shutout. <laughs> we'll, we'll stick it to you there. It was the Jags. It was the Jags. Yep, put them away. Remember they? Yeah, Urban Meyer practicing. You yeah, know why? You know practicing. why? You know why I don't remember? Why? Because that was like two months ago. Our last Halloween. Year. It was. Remember? I mean, yeah, it, was it was Halloween. It was that long ago. Yeah, that's that's nuts. So yeah, good good to have a win. It just felt better, you know. And again, winning takes care of a lot of things, and you know, you stop, you get excited to go to practice. Uh, you know, all those lovely things. Russell Wilson is going to have his biggest game of the year. Is he? This week. I think he is. Because he's healthy? I think. Confident? Healthy, confident, competition. The play calling? Play calling. I think it all comes together because we saw saw them force a screen game, right? We saw them run the ball on third down. It was third and medium they're running the football. We saw Tyler Lockett and DK get their targets. Even Gerald Everett, he's going to have a better game this week. I think all around, everyone has played well. We saw Jordan Brooks lead the team in tackles. It wasn't uh, Bobby Wags this year. We saw turnovers. 
Diggs had a turnover. Bobby, it feels everything just feels right right now. Yeah, and again, if we don't have our three three turnovers, which we kind of gave him. You know, he had the touchdown where he bobbled it, kicks it with his foot, it goes up in the air. Who who would have known? Now, we end up getting a safety after that, but um, still, that would have been a touchdown. And then that one uh, quick screen, you know, he just didn't quite secure it, and the guy comes in there and, and knocks it. What was the other one? It was another fumble. Another fumble. A fumble on the uh, shovel pass. Oh, the shot. Yeah. By the way, the 49ers played that so well. And some people say, well, that's a dumb play. I go, it's actually a brilliant play, a offensive call. And, and here's why. We don't, I, I don't think we had any, do we have timeouts? I can't remember what it was. But you do a shovel pass, and if they do play it right and it gets knocked down, it's an incomplete pass. You know, the, the, the play stops. Um, and that situation, if they had have also, you know, had stopped, we had to fumble, we'd probably kick a field goal in that situation because it had been fourth and two uh, at the time. Um, I actually like to play. I think it's a really hard play to stop 49ers. For us, for never running it, man, it was like they knew it was coming. Um, but I, I, I did like to play. Can't believe it, it, it fumbled. He, I, again, he probably did not sleep that night. Nah. I'm not mad at the play call. No, it was a good play. And I'm not mad at you for hanging out with me for another Thursday, man. I appreciate it's you. It's always fun. It may be my last one because I I, I'm not in next week. Yeah. I'm not in. I may call in, though, just for the fun. Call in say hello then, yeah. boy. All right, man. I want to give special thanks to John Clayton for joining the show, our board operator, DJ Wilder. Our executive producer, Nasa Chobi. The Seahawks pregame show was live this Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Bright and early. Till next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumps with Paul Moore. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.